morning, my name is Sandy Asker, and I got new contacts the other week, and I can see super clearly when Tobiah is on the soccer field, but I have yet to remember that I need to print my sermon in bigger letters. So bear with me this morning. There's a website I found this week called the Good News Network. You can find all sorts of good news websites, but the one I looked at, one of the lead stories was about a support group using sheep to help with mental health. Uh, but instead of going into the details on that, there was one that really stood out to me. Maybe you've heard this story. There was an eighth grade boy, and he lived about six miles away from where his graduation ceremony was going to be held. He didn't want to miss it, but his grandfather, who's been raising him, his car broke down. So he Googled the Harris Stowe University, the location hosting their graduation, and he decided to walk. So he grabbed his brother and a friend, and they spent over two hours walking through the city of St. Louis to get to his graduation. And they made it. Xavier Jones, upon being interviewed, said he was so glad that they made it because it meant he could stop walking. <laughs> Even though his shoes were worn through above and below, he had made it. And upon arriving, the word got around that Xavier and his buddies had walked to this graduation. The main keynote speaker at the graduation even heard about it and was so struck by it that in the middle, middle of his speech, he stopped, called Xavier to the stage, and everyone gave him a standing ovation. The word about his tenacity then struck the woman who was sitting in the audience who at the time was the president of the university. She found him after the service and decided to give him a full ride, paid tuition, books, and rent when he graduated upon high school four years later. Well, word continued to get around about this good news story and a current NFL player who had grown up in a nearby St. Louis neighborhood, he decided that because they were having transportation issues, he would meet that need. He decided to give Xavier and his family an electric bike and a minivan so that transportation would no longer be a barrier for this young man. There's a picture of the president of the university and Xavier here on the screen behind me. Don't you love hearing good news stories? Does it just kind of warm your heart? It feels good? Makes you smile? Well, not only does our experience tell us that it's good, but do you know that science has actually studied the benefits of experiencing good news? I found an article that there are at least seven, I'm sure there are more. One is that it can reduce stress and anxiety. It encourages us to stay connected and informed about our world and the news instead of trying to avoid it. It can boost your mood. I mean, really, we have to have science and a study to tell us this. But it can also boost your relationships. People get tired of Debbie Downers, don't they? I do. It can improve, literally, our heart health. It can create greater engagement in relationships. It allows people to adapt to challenges. And lastly, it empowers people to give back. Good news is good for us. And let's remember, if NBC, Fox News, or the BBC isn't giving us the good news, we get to come here on a Sunday morning and be reminded of capital T, the good news. We search after a God who is full of good news stories. God is making it happen around us. And we don't necessarily just need science and experience, but those around us, who maybe don't believe that God is the good news, they even know that good news feels good and is good for them. Our passage today is set in a time when the early church didn't have a lot of access. I mean, they didn't have their phones. But they also just didn't have access to many good news stories. 
Instead, they were being persecuted and constantly attacked for their faith. We're going to be in St. Peter. St. Peter. That's funny. We live near St. Peter, for those of you who are online and have no idea where we are. It was written by a saint named Peter. And at this time, the early church, they were dispersed. They were scattered. They were all over Asia Minor. And somehow this letter got passed around. In 1 Peter, Peter actually calls them resident aliens. This means that they were inferior to full citizens. They had limited legal and societal rights. Often when people came to know Jesus, it produced hostility in their former friendly family or neighborhood relationships. It seems that they had lost hope. They had lost the grasp of the good news. And so Peter writes to them to be an encouragement. We're going to start in the middle of the letter, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you, this is the middle of the letter. I thought it was the end. And then I look, and there's still a couple chapters. So Peter, I'm sorry, yeah, Peter uses finally loosely here, okay? Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult. I think someone who runs for president next year should use that as their campaign slogan. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Now sometimes we wish we had more details and background specifically about what people were experiencing, why Peter is addressing what he's doing. But sometimes, I think, with our rational minds that God gives us, we can make some conclusions about what is happening. Perhaps they were struggling with being like-minded and they all had different ideas about how to live their life. They weren't being sympathetic. They weren't loving each other. They were not being compassionate, and they had some pride issues. Peter is giving them advice about this because I can assume if they are struggling, there's only bad news, I have a hard time being sympathetic to others when my life feels like it's a challenge. The last thing I am doing is being sympathetic to the slow driver in front of me. When I feel like I'm late and I have too much on my plate and everyone should just conform to what I want them to. If it seems like there's only bad news, is it easy to be humble and remember other people's struggles? If I'm having a bad day, definitely my family knows about it, or the people at the middle school pick up line. Lord, help us. It's hard to flow with the fruit of the Spirit in these times. We are finishing a series here at Crossview called 9 to 5. We have a banner over there. We've been marking the places where we live 9 to 5 to show, to show where the presence of believers, where people in Crossview have been. There's another one at Howard Drive. It would be fun if we could kind of merge them and like make a copy for everybody. But we have been calling us to rethink, reframe our roles, wherever we are kind of Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, and to think of how is it that we can be a blessing with our prayers, our presence, time around the table, using our unique gifts. And today we're going to be talking about our words and how we can share hope in those nine to five roles. First Peter 3 calls us to love. Not a big like surprise for those of you who have been at church before, we try to talk about love. But what's interesting is Peter seems to be talking about with each other, we should be like-minded with other believers. We should love one another. But then there's this section about repaying evil for evil and insult with insult. And we can imagine that this is happening in the church. We can insult each other. Big C church, maybe not at Crossview. 
Maybe you're insulting each other, I don't know. But definitely in the larger church, other believers, well, they're not really a Christian if they think that way. Or, well, this person is running a campaign saying this, but look at the voting record. So it's not just, uh, so it is within the church, but it's not just within the church. I think it's also how we treat outsiders, people who are insulting or being evil towards the believers, because again, we know that they were suffering. God never gives it, gives a, it's okay to be mean to other people pass, just because things are hard. Now, there might be understanding. There's that meme that goes around, everybody that you face is, you know, is dealing with some challenge or whatever, so kind of be kind. But God doesn't ever say it's okay to be evil or to insult if they've heaped evil on you. Instead, it says, on the contrary, repay evil with blessing. You were called to this so that we may inherit a blessing. We talk about bless, and actually the 9 to 5 series is just kind of a reframing of the bless series. We talk about bless here. Begin with prayer, listen with care, eat with others, serve and share your story. We talk about being a blessing as a church. Not just here, out in the world, in your 9 to 5 realm. Now, Peter, talking to these believers, if his words aren't enough, he goes on to quote a psalm. So in the middle of verse, uh, or is it verse 10? Verse 10. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Peter, I wish, could maybe extrapolate on the do good part. We have these shirts, be kind. Do we see shirts that say do good? I think people probably do that. Sort of a, a vague command. But specifically, keeping our tongue from evil, our lips from deceitful speech, seeking peace and pursue it, these are all good things. Peter calls them not just to watch their words, but to seek peace and pursue it. This is an image of running after something, running swiftly. N.T. Wright in his commentary on this section says, we must pursue peace as we would a lost book we cannot find, which for some of you I understand maybe books are not that important, but if you have $150 whatever, or was it even more than that at the library, oh, you better believe I was trying to lay my hands on that book recently at the house. Or if that image doesn't help you, perhaps a lost dog who has panicked, run off the leash, and is in the middle of a city. This is what N.T. Wright says. This is the kind of seeking after peace that Peter is talking about. Wright continues to exhort Christians, I'm sorry, Wright says that P Peter continues to exhort Christians to stand up for what is right, even if it means we stand out. So these Christians had stood out because they said yes to Jesus, and they were being attacked. When criticism comes, or mocking, and we end up just mocking back, or throwing out insults, or pointing out all of the things that are wrong with the person criticizing us, guess what happens? We are immersing ourselves right back into that world where we're trying to stand up and be different for Jesus' sake. We end up repaying evil for evil. Peter also in this section assumes that the people are praying. 
The prayer of the righteous, God listens. Verse 13, Peter goes on to say, who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? Well, let's be clear. Sometimes we do good and bad things happen. Peter's not necessarily handling every single situation, but in general, Peter is saying, don't be afraid to do good things. Verse 14, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. There's that word again. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. This is a reference back to Isaiah, where Isaiah was suffering for being a prophet for the Lord in the Old Testament. And there are these verses in the book of Isaiah calling not just Isaiah, but the entire people of Israel, all of God's people. Don't be afraid. If you listen to the prophet, that's God's voice, but you suffer for it, you got to keep listening. It might not feel good. Bad things might happen, but you need to keep doing what is right. And I can imagine the people getting this letter saying, why bother? I came to know Jesus and now my life is actually worse. And you want me to be nice to these people that are criticizing or mocking me? My life was maybe easier before when I was just submitting to the government. I was going along with the flow. I did what I wanted. It felt better. This is no fun. One of the best arguments that I have heard in my life for doing good and Uh, I don't know, fighting for justice or forgiving people, is that we get to, in doing that, pointing towards what the world is going to be like when Jesus comes back and restores all things to the way they should be. We get to give them a little taste of what the world was created to be like and what it will be again. They may never experience it in their own homes, in their own experience, or even in their own hearts, but we get to give them that tiny taste of what it's like. And when we think about that end game that God has, that can give us hope. Verse 15, Peter says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ, may be ashamed of their slander. Again, what does it look like to revere Christ as Lord? What does it look like to do good? Peter has given us many options from the beginning of what we read today, being kind and compassionate, choosing to love, having humility, choosing our words carefully. And then Peter calls us to give reasons for why we have hope. And he says, be prepared. Do we have any Boy Scouts in the room or people who used to be Boy Scouts? Anyone who knows about Boy Scouts? Thank you. Isn't like the thing, be prepared? Isn't that like the Boy Scout code of ethics or something? Okay? Being intentional, having a plan. Not just, although we can rely on the Holy Spirit to come at the last minute, but having some intentionality. When we care about something, we have a plan. We're studying it. We spend time. If I'm scrolling through the news and I see something about, I'm trying to think of an example, that I don't care about, then I just keep scrolling, don't I? But if it's something I'm interested in, that's what I click on. I am intentional. 
So I'm going to make two references to John Steele's podcast this morning, and he's not paying me for this, but it just so happened this week. Two things in his podcast are really great. If you'd like to check out his podcast, it's written for InterVarsity alumni, but it's really great discipleship for anyone. You're welcome, John. He was interviewing somebody about when you're in college and you learn how to do evangelism in college, it's really just with your peers. And then you graduate and you go out into the real world, nine to five. He's actually doing a series very similar to what our church is doing right now. And the interviewee was, uh, John, nope, you're the interviewer. The interviewee was talking about there are some basic skills that we teach college students that are easily transferable. And one of them is having bridges to spiritual conversations. So in college, maybe we have these fun strategies, but they really only work on campus. But the ultimate idea is that what's happening in the world around us? What are questions we can ask, comments that we can make, ideas in our mind that easily kick into spiritual things? Okay, so for instance, I was somewhere recently and the conversation popped up about Jared from Subway. Does anyone remember Jared from Subway? He went from a large man to a small man because he ate Subway sandwiches. It was a great transformation story. Unfortunately, Jared also got found, I believe, with some child pornography, and his life went from whoopee, Jared, and Subway to not so great. And we were talking about people who fall from grace. <laughs> so we were having this conversation, and he's like, gosh, who are some other people? And so we mentioned some other names, and it kind of got depressing. You know, we were like, well, there are actually a lot we could think of just in the last few years. It was not good news. And I decided to say in the conversation, you know, we went on and on and we kept thinking of people who fell from grace, but isn't that just a reminder? No one's really uh, going to be able to, uh, none of us are able, what am I trying to say? Help me, Jesus. Isn't this funny? Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope, Sandy. Here's an example. None of us are immune from falling short. Whether we're famous and rich, whether we're a guy who just made a decision about sandwiches and then got famous, none of us are immune. And then I said, we all need help, don't we? And we ended up having a spiritual conversation. Can't wait to follow that up sometime. Peter talks about the hope that we have. Give a reason for the hope that you have. I believe he's referencing the good news. In the message, farther on in 1 Peter, the message interprets as this, this is what the good news is. Christ did definitively, suffered for others' sins. The righteous one for the unrighteous ones. Jesus went through it all. Jesus was put to death and then made alive to bring us to God. Isn't that good news? That is good news. And then Peter says this, the suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans they are, exclamation point, will have put you together and, I'm sorry, and on your feet for good. And this is my favorite part. God gets the last word. Yes, he does. Amen? That gives me hope. When things are hard for sweet Gabriel lying in that hospital bed in Rochester with his heart transplant, when we drive past my place and the new sign, looks great, Aaron, about their fundraising and how that number is going up and how right down the street in our neighborhood, 
we're going to have kids that will have a place to walk to. And on and on, I'm sure. If we had time this morning, we had open mic, come share a good story. Share some good news. I am sure that we would be able to see evidence of how God is getting the last word. So how do we do this in our nine to five? How do we build those bridges? I wrote down at school, maybe some of you are going to summer school, maybe you're taking college classes, that's for you. But for others of you students, what does it look like this summer? Where are you going to be? Do you think there might be people around you who need some hope? How about for those of us who are at home this summer, maybe you're working from home or maybe you're at home full time. What about those kids next door who are really a big hassle and they keep dropping garbage everywhere? and their soccer ball is in the gutter, and it's been there for days. Just an example. <laughs> How about when you're at the campground and someone has a really loud, obnoxious dog that won't stop barking? I think this passage talks about a few areas that we can consider while we are in nine to five. How can we be a blessing? Peter talked on and on about our words. What's coming out of our mouths? What are we talking about? How are we speaking? It's not just about what we say, but it's also our tone, our attitude with which we speak. Peter calls us to seek after peace, not repaying evil for evil or insult for insult. What would that look like? Those of you who have brothers and sisters in the room, and yes, I'm talking to you, my kids, who are listening, what does it look like with your siblings? What does it look like with your neighbor kids while well, you drive by and they insult your bike? Seeking after peace. Also, Peter says, revere Christ as Lord in your hearts. Some of it is heart work. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You might get angry about that neighbor kid, or you might get angry about the door ding this morning in the parking lot. What's the deeper issue that's happening there? And the things that we encourage you to do is first to start with prayer. I have my alarm set for 2.22 every day on my watch. Maybe you can put it on your phone or your computer or whatever it is. And I try to take a minute and I have a few people, used to be two, we have a few more. And I just say a prayer for them. God, remind them that you love them today. And sometimes I text them and I say, I'm praying for you today. Pray. Pray, pray. You have no idea what happens in the spiritual realm. Literally, we don't know what happens in the spiritual realm when we pray. That's our starting point. Maybe pray that God would show you people that need hope this week. Maybe somebody's coming to mind right now, and I give you permission right now to grab your phone and send them a text message. Be present. After you send that text message, come on back and listen to the end of church. Be present. Put your phone down when you're at lunch at work. Be present in a conversation. Really listen to what they're saying. Don't just answer their question. Ask them why they're asking the question. Be present. Not just in your families, but do that too this summer. But when you're out and about doing whatever you're doing from your 9 to 5. Eat. Eat together. Have people over. Join a grill-out group. Serve. Figure out what gifts you have. What does it look like for you to serve? So when I think about this story about Xavier, 
it is such a great example of a good news story outside in the world. Okay, I don't know if anybody prayed, but I know people are present. They were listening to that kid about that story. They heard the good news story, and a domino effect happened. His brother and the friend got to experience it with him. Can you imagine what it was like to walk two hours to go to an eighth grade graduation? People heard and things happened and needs were met because the good news story kind of caught fire. John interviewed a doctor in a different podcast that said, healthy churches are going to have an overemphasis on hope. And I thought, I love that. I want us to overemphasize hope here. I want us to overemphasize God's love. I want us to overemphasize the good news that God one day is going to get the last word. We can't do this alone. We have to be a church that does this because I sometimes forget the good news and I sometimes lose my hope and I need y'all to help me and we need to help each other. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, I love this story about this young man who just wanted to go to his grad ceremony, that he was willing to walk. Lord, sometimes when we think about what gives us hope, uh, sharing the good news, sometimes it takes hard work. It means shoe leather. It means energy and uh, community also. Lord, as we think about sharing the good news as we think about our nine to five realms. Father, help us to remember that we're not alone as we serve, as we work, as we study. Lord, help us to be present. We struggle so, Lord, with being distracted. God, we pray for opportunities to eat with those who need hope. Lord, I pray that we would figure out our spiritual gifts, Lord, those of us who follow Jesus. And God, if we don't feel like we have hope today, if we are singing these words or we're listening and we just think, man, I don't know if I know Jesus like that. Lord, would today be the day that we would say to you, Jesus, I need you. I'm going to receive the bread and the cup today with a heart that wants to revere you as Lord, with a life that is lived to point to you, Jesus. Would today be the day, if people are listening online, Lord, if there are people in this room, if there are children who have not done that today, Lord, would this be the day that they would receive the good news, the hope that lies within us, and God, that we would all be prepared to give a reason for that hope as we go about our business this week. Amen.